Then when I got out and was told no for three years, then moved and was homeless, like, you know, that could have broke somebody. But the way I responded to it was like a level of resilience. And I do think that the basis of all of this was growing up with a, a debilitating stuttering problem and being able to be resilient with that because it's so hard to be a kid and not be able to articulate yourself. That's how you gain friends. That's how you figure out if you're valued or not. And being, being able to like, like rise above that, I think is the core reason why I'm able to stand here and talk in front of millions of people and inspire folks and be the CEO of the largest, one of the largest advocacy organizations in the country that requires me to speak on a daily basis. So the record part for me is manageable to deal with because I've dealt with a stuttering problem my entire life. So when people ask me like, you know, Jay, you talk about these barriers and you, but you still smile. And I'm like, you don't know what I went through. <laughs> I'm Maya Chupkov and I'm a woman who stutters. Welcome to Proud Stutter, a show about stuttering and embracing verbal diversity in an effort to change how we talk about it one conversation at a time. Welcome back to Proud Stutter. Today, I am joined by Jay Jordan, a person who stutters and the CEO of an organization that aims to move away from the stigma that has been associated with having a criminal record. My guest co-host is Jesse Vasquez, leader of Friends of San Quentin News, both men have experienced life incarcerated and are now dedicating their lives to transforming the criminal justice system. I've been so excited to get these two guys on the pod. It's been a long time coming, and I am just so excited to dive in. Welcome, Jay and Jesse. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So, Jay, first I want to talk about how we got connected. Um, so I had watched you on Jon Stewart um, and I, I was just blown away and at, like I was just like mesmerized by everything you said. And so after the episode, I just I was like, hey, I need to like just tell this person like how much um, he had an impact on me. And so I just wrote you a random LinkedIn message. Didn't think you would one accept my friend request and two respond and then when and I didn't even mention stuttering but then you had mentioned it in your response and I was just flabbergasted so here we are and I am so excited to also have Jesse Vasquez who is my friend here in the Bay Area and I met him through some random group we were in online and we just bonded right away and I really what really resonated with with me and what Jesse does is he's really trying to lift up the voices of those um who are in incarcerated or who have been in incarcerated so so yeah let's get into it Jay um let's start with you so you were born and raised in Stockton and how was stuttering like talked about in your family if at all yeah so stockton is like every other kind of american-sized city i say american-sized because la and new york are not american-sized cities <laughs> my parents you know my mom's an engineer by by uh 
by trade. Um, and, and my dad's a, a pastor um, by trade. Um, you know, now they're since retired. But, uh, and I grew up in middle class America. Um, and, you know, um, like any other kid, uh, you know, and I don't talk about this a lot, right? So, you know, kind of there's the family dynamics and there's outside the family, right? You know, the reason I, I hung around, the people I hung around was because they didn't judge me for my stutter, you know? Like, because if you think, like, they they felt like they had, a, in, like, were imper imperfect, you know? Uh, and so I hung around folks who looked like me, black folks, you know? There were a lot of black folks in my neighborhood at all. I hung around black folks. They didn't judge me, right? Not one of my friends were like, Jay stutters, you know? Like, nah, it, was, it wasn't none of that. It was just like, you know, there goes Jay right there. So, you know, and that and that in turn had me around that element. You know, they weren't bad, but the the element just like you know, you get into it early at an early age. You get to, you know, smoking and drinking at an early age. It never ends well. Um, you know, and I got into it at an early age, um, and that was just it wasn't like you know anything that was uncharacteristic, unrealistic. Um, for a person who starts to, you know, drink and smoke, I just went down the wrong path. I mean, for my family, uh, it was never a problem. I, I, uh, my sister, they called her my translator, right? <laughs> like, you know, she used to she she used to translate for me, um, uh, and so that was that was, you know, my family's always been supportive, like a hundred percent of the time. They've been extremely supportive, and that has really helped me um, throughout my life, um, especially when I was a kid, uh, you know, um, my family has been there through it all, you know? That's really great to hear that your, your family was so supportive of you. Um, so ever since I, I saw you on, um, the John Stewart show, I've been listening to like your Instagram lives, following you on Instagram and listening to some of your podcast interviews and I rarely hear you stutter. Like every once in a while, I hear it. And so my question is, like, how do you see, how do you, how have you seen your stutter evolve over time? So I've been stuttering forever, right? It's like, it's like, it's like my little friend I have in my pocket, you know? Uh, and, you know, I, it, it, uh, it's not something I talk about a lot. My family knows. Every, like my family knows. My wife is like, you know, she's she's uh she she knows. My kids, they have a slight stutter. Um, you know, uh, well, my oldest one, he kind of grew out of it now. My youngest one is starting it, and so it's so cute. <laughs> he's like, he's, he sounds like daddy. Uh, and um, it really gets bad when I'm frustrated or I'm excited. If I get really, really, really excited, you're gonna hear it. You're gonna hear it, and there's certain words, obviously, that, trip, that you know, that trip us up. So I I like maneuver. <laughs> it's like it's like an obstacle course. I'm like, oh, not going there. Oh, not going there. So if you see me looking up, it's because I'm looking for it, right? I'm like, okay, let me make sure that how I respond to this question doesn't trip me up, you know, um, especially if I'm, you know, really intentional, trying to be really intentional about what I say. Uh, I want to be able to articulate myself in a way that is very clear and people don't get caught up on the stutter, right? Uh, but early on, it was bad. So I had a, one of those debilitating stuttering where I would go into like really just like, you know, into it. And that lasted for a long time. I mean, probably like halfway through elementary, 
so much so that they put me in speech classes. It was so traumatic. And the speech class was right in the library. So all the kids would go into the library and I would have to go into speech class into a little door in a little room. And I was like, oh my God, oh, you know? And so it lasted for a long time. And I think in middle school was when I started to slow down. Uh, um, there was uh, one, this, 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 like this angel I used to go to school with. Uh, um, and, you know, I, I never had a chance. I knew I couldn't have a chance with her, but there was one day that I was going to ask her to be my Valentine. And I like, you know, I was walking to school. I lived like a half a mile or a mile from school. And me and my sister, my, um, I'm the last of eight. And so the closest one to me, she's one grade above me. We were walking to school, but I was so nervous. I was trying to practice my words. And she was like, come on, we got to go. And so she left me. So I'm walking by school by myself. I get there kind of late. And I was going to ask her before school went in because I didn't want anybody else to ask her. You know, it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> and, 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 and I got there. Everyone had went in. And I'm like, I'm so down, you know. And then I see her car pull up and she gets out. And I swear she like descended from the heaven. She was floating. Oh, right. <laughs> out the car. And then I walked up to her and I just started stuttering really, really, really bad. And she said, slow down. And that was the moment where I realized like, oh, you know, slow down. Um, because somebody I really admired was telling me to slow down. It's okay, basically. Like, I accept you. It's okay. Um, and that was really kind of the, the catalyst for me slowing down and being able to articulate myself without the convulsions. And that was like in third grade, you know? Um, and then in middle school, I began to slow down a lot more than in high school. And, you know, the rest is just like, you know, I've learned how to navigate it. That is one of the cutest stuttering stories I think I've ever, <laughs> I've ever heard. So um, thanks for sharing that. Um, so switching gears a little bit, I'm just so curious how you prepared to be on the um, John Stewart because as someone who stutters and being on such a like big show talking about such an important issue like I would have just been like so freaking nervous and you also do all these speaking engagements like keynotes you're on Instagram live a lot you're just out there all the time and so how do you do it as someone who stutters? Yeah, yeah. I'm so scared before every time, like literally if I'm doing an Instagram live or anything, like I was nervous doing this. My palms are sweaty. I'm nervous now. So I, it is nerve wracking. Right? It's like nerve wracking. It's some of the most. So I'm a, you know, I'm a Pisces, right? I was born March 13th. So I'm, you know, I am a introverted heart, but you would never know it. You're like, oh, this guy's so outgoing and. He's always around people, but uh, it takes so much out of me to be present because, you know, I just, you know, I'm an empath. I like feel people's energy. I feel their pain. I feel their joy. I feel their anxiety. And that's why I lean into the work that I do. That's why I'm in the field I am, you know? Mm -hmm. and so when I speak, it's like I'm feeling all that stuff right here. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to speak in front of. And I remember going on when John, when. When they, re when they first reached out, they were like, oh, on background, we want to talk to you. I'm like, okay, great. Background, I could talk hours and hours about this stuff on, on background, in the background. 
And then they're like, oh, how about coming on the show? I'm like, okay. You know, <laughs> my heart's pounding because I didn't want, you know, to be like a meme or whatever. You know, I, I just mm-hmm. didn't want to. I had so much important stuff to say. And I'm like, ah, that, you know, I tend to, when I talk about this stuff, when I talk about having a record, when I talk about, um, you know, government spending, when I talk about that stuff, I'm, I'm, I've read so much about it that I, like, I have so much stuff just bustling out of my seams. I want to just mm-hmm. tell it. And that's when I start stuttering. I get excited. And I'm like, I do not want to do that on John Stewart. <laughs> Please, I don't want to do it on John Stewart. My team, they know. They're like, okay, Jay's going to, you know, go crazy and it's fine. But, you know, the world doesn't know me. So I'm like, okay, well, and I remember just in particular, John Stewart, um, I had all these stats in my head and it was, you know, there's like a meme out there where like a bunch of stats and a guy staring into nothingness or a bunch of like, you know, geometry and algebra. Like that was me. I'm like 11 billion, 11 trillion, 900,000, all these numbers. And I'm like, okay. I'm going to stutter. Like, I know I'm going to stutter. I'm going to a wild convulsion. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to see it. I'm going to be a meme. It's okay. Fine, you know? Um, but I just pray. I pray before every time I speak. I pray before this podcast. God, give me the strength. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Give me authenticity. Let me touch somebody that hears my voice. Amen, right? And I just put it in God's hands, you know? And it served me well. You know, I've not had a episode in front of a large crowd knock on wood. Uh, but if I did, you know, I've been doing this for so long, I would just pivot and tell the story of how I got start stuttering. And that has been kind of my ace in the hole. So, you know, um, I'm telling the world now, if I'm on a stage and I start stuttering, I'm going to backtrack and go down a rabbit hole about stuttering and what it means. If I think it's so important for the world to understand that there's millions of people out here that, you know, um, have a stutter and it's not because we are, you know, mentally deficient or that we don't understand the world or we're not intelligent or any of that stuff, you know, um, it's just something that we have. And, um, you know, I think for me, it makes me, um, more grounded in who I am and more empathetic to people that, um, may have something that um, uh, could be considered uh, imperfect, you know? That is so well said. And I think, you know, having that in your back pocket of like, okay, if I stutter, I do have this segue. So I think that probably helps um, take a lot of the pressure off. So um, I might even try that. But I wanted to give space to Jesse to see if he wanted to respond to anything we've been talking about. I think I find this interesting, right? I think me and uh, Jay, we have some things in our lives that intersect. You know, I'm also born March 12th, so oh. you know, we have similar personalities. And it's uh, it's interesting to hear, you know, how you uh, learn to navigate and the discipline that it requires. And I think uh, I'm interested in just like hearing a little bit about that part, right? Like knowing that you had something that, you know, distinguished you from other folks, right? It's always interesting to see that in the carceral system, you know, like we're all the same. We all wear blues. We all wear like our, you know, state issue stuff. Right. But we always have like those personal traits that make us unique amongst everybody else. You know, and it's was there ever a time that you can think like within the carceral system where it was like apart from the riots and the tension that comes with that and that type of excitement. 
sure. where you felt like, you know what, like, man, I can't convey my thoughts accurately right now because now you're very articulate after years of cultivating that skill set, yeah. you know, but in those moments of growth, you know, and, you know, kind of like that purging process of incarceration, you know, what was that like for you? I wasn't really nice in prison. I, I, I didn't like have a, you know, um, it was just a different time, you know, mm-hmm. and I had to be something that I'm not proud of inside the, for the first like three or four years. It was, you know, um, it was tough, right? Um, because I was in Solano. It was one of the most rocking level threes in the state of California. Um, and so I had to be something that, um, you know, I'm really not proud of. And so I think that that inoculated me from, um, you know, folks, you know, saying anything about my stutter, right? And so that's that's the, you know, and and not once it had anybody said anything when I was locked up, right? Because of that threat that always mm-hmm. exists while you're inside, which is like, okay, if I say something, I mean, if you say something about a person's shoes in there and it goes off the wrong way, yeah. right? It's like yeah. going to be a problem. And so like prison for me was, because it was such a violent time that I lived in prison mm-hmm. for the first three or four years, you know, that wasn't a problem for me because it was always this threat of, oh, if I say something to this guy about a stutter, am I going to have to deal with him on the flip side? You know, um, now then the next three or four years, you know, I really made the shift. So in between that time, I spent two years in solitary confinement and was really there where I think like when I quieted my soul, and was able to go deeper. I mean, there was a question that was asked to me, you know, this was 2008. Um, I was in the hole that I ended up getting, you know, something happened on the yard and the group of us was implicated. We all went to the hole, um, you know, um, even though we, we weren't the one doing the act in there, if you're affiliated, it's like, mm-hmm. you're going to the hole. And, you know, I find myself doing two years in a hole and I didn't touch anybody. And so, you know, when I was in there, uh, when I got to Tehachapi, which is like 50 miles, uh, uh, east of Bakersfield, this guy was banging on my wall. Boom, 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 boom. And you know, you don't bang on the wall. You know, yeah. you, you, you just don't do that, right? So, unless you know the person or mm-hmm. trying to get their attention. So, the guy's banging on my wall for two days straight. And I'm like, yo. So, I get in the vent and I'm like, yo, what do you want? You know, and he's like, who are you? You know, I told him, you know, my name and where I was from, you know, and he said, that's what you are. Ask who you are. And I'm like, this guy's nuts, right? And he's like, and he starts saying my name, J-O, J-O, J-O. And he sings it and sings it and sings it. And I was like, yo, this guy's like making me crazy. And then I begin to ask myself, well, who am I? Right? Like, who, you know? And so I was like, yo, I'm, I'm a black man. I'm strong. I'm this. I'm that. I'm this. And all those were just adjectives, you know? And I couldn't figure out who I was. And... There was a time where I'm like, you know what? I don't know who I am. <laughs> and I just don't know. Because it's who I am right now, all those words, all those adjectives got me to this point. That's not who I want to be, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, my, you know, my parents, my my nieces and nephews, my my brothers and sisters, like they're out there living, and I'm, you know, the schmuck inside jail that's actually inside a hole, right? Like, what am I? That's not who I want to be. Um, so I've made it a point to actually get to, you know, like build out a plan for myself. Um, and that was the moment. And I think really like 
the crossroads of stuttering and being incarcerated, I like that was the moment where it was like, oh, um, there's some stuff inside of me that um, I'm just not aware of, you know? Um, and I didn't talk for a long time, right? I didn't talk for like months, you know? And I, I would write a lot. Um, I didn't talk so much they thought I was a little off. They were like, oh, this, you know, Jordan's a little yeah. off. Mm -hmm. I, I just wouldn't say anything. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say anything at all because I was just so like introspective at that moment that, um, and then after I got off my little Zen trip, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the stuttering had really subsided. And, you know, I, I think there like a switch in me that happened where it was like, oh, I have a goal in life. I think when you go into that purpose, mm -hmm. right, when you lean into the purpose um, and you like really focus on kind of what you want to be and you're like, oh, I, I, you know, people always used to tell me, oh, you got something to say. And I'm like, no, I, how can I have something to say when I stutter? You know, I, you know. Yeah, no, that's definitely very insightful. You know, and I think sometimes, uh, especially coming out with a record, you know, we have this sense of, uh, at least I did, right? Come out with this sense of insecurity that the world's going to look at you as less than because yeah. of, you know, the crime that you committed or the decades that you spent behind those prison walls. And I don't know, have you found it to be a little bit different leaning into the work and then actually like you defining the work instead of the work defining you, you know, has that yeah. given you like not just a sense of identity, but taking that purpose and actually molded you a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. I like it, it, it has, but you know, I, I always think about the diamond in the mountain. Right? <laughs> like to, I, I had this epiphany when I was locked up and I'm like, am I the diamond in the mountain? Right. <laughs> I went down this rabbit hole about how diamonds are made. And I'm like, man, just imagine how many years it took for that diamond to be found and polished and, um, uh, um, valued and um, you know, and then sold, and now it's somebody's uh, possession, and they value it, right? Like, but that diamond was in the mountain under a lot of pressure for a long time before it even became a diamond, and then it stayed in there, you know, like for a long time, even before it was found. And when it was found, it went through a whole process, you know, um, before it was even sold and found a home. And sometimes I look at like, man, where am I at on that journey? <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Am I still in the mountain? Am I like being polished? Have I been found yet? Like, am I have I found a home? And at times it feels like I've have found a home, and it's made it a lot easier because I think about the journey so much. Like, where is my journey? Where did my journey begin? Where is it end? Like, where where am I at? Have I found my enlightenment? Have I found my why? This it, right? Um, I'm always questioning that. Um, I think that having a record and doing the work. Um, I mean, for me, the reason I've found, the reason I started out wasn't because I wanted to work for a nonprofit. Like who wants to work for a nonprofit? Like it's not something you grow up. Mm -hmm. what, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to work for a nonprofit. Like, no, 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 no. Now, now, Jay, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, my kids say that. I'm like, no, um, but, but I did it out of necessity. Man, look, I was, man, I was, I was told no 
You know, I couldn't find jobs. I, they told me I couldn't be. I, I wanted to be a barber and a, sell insurance and sell real estate. I had a whole plan. I had a whole plan. Mm-hmm. I had my whole thing mapped out. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was told no. Um, I started my own program. The school district didn't want to let me in. I mean, there's so much. I was homeless. I moved to, out of Stockton because no one wanted to hire me. You know, I moved to LA. Was homeless for two months, sleeping in my car. You know, eating half of top ramen in the morning, half at night, right? So, I mean, I, I went through it, you know. Um, and all this was because I had a record. I couldn't find a house because I had a, I couldn't find an apartment because I had a record. No one would hire me in Stockton because I had a record. Even though I did three years of community work, even though I was like, I mean, you Google some of the stuff we were doing in 2012 to 2014, it was transformative community work. We got American Red Cross Hero of the Year for our innovative program. We were painting trash cans, right? Mm-hmm. Like we were cleaning up slews, mentoring kids. You know, I worked for the congressman on his reelection campaign, but no one would hire me because I had a record. And when I moved to L.A., it was the same thing. I was homeless. No one would rent to me because I had a record. And so just imagine you're being told no, even though you served your time, even though you paid, I paid $12,000 in restitution. They garnered, like they did a bank levy on me. They garnered my wages, you know, like, and, 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 and I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm still going to thrive. You know, I'm still going to smile. At, there's never been a day where I didn't laugh or smile mm-hmm. or find joy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because all of that, like I practice stoicism. All, all of that is just coming at me. And it's my reaction that dictates my reality, not the thing that I'm going through, you know? So I was responding to being homeless, like, you know, well, hey, listen, at least I got to pay rent, <laughs> you, yeah. know? you know, like that, that was my response. And people are like, yo, why are you so resilient? I'm like, because it's not what happens to you is how you respond to it. Things are going to happen is how you respond to it. I had a debilitating stuttering from age whatever to like when I was 12 years old, you know, like. I didn't, it wasn't, it didn't stop me. You know, I, I made it through. Like I was in prison with a stuttering problem. That could have been disastrous. I, I could have been the laughingstock and would have gotten fights every single day. But how I responded to that, how I set myself up to say, you know what? Like, you know, leave me alone, right? I was in a hole for two years, for two years in a hole away from my family, you know, but the way I responded to it was to go internally. Then when I got out and I was told no for three years, moved and was homeless like you know that could have broke somebody i could have been like mm-hmm. sent me on a path of substance abuse and mental health pro- problems but the way i responded to it was like a level of resilience and i do think that the basis of all of this was growing up with a, a debilitating stuttering problem and being able to be resilient with that because it's so hard to be a kid and not be able to articulate yourself that's how you gain friends that's how you figure out if you're valued or not that's how you like you know figure out if you're smart, like all oh, self-confidence mm-hmm. and being, being able to like, like rise above that for me, I think is the core reason why I'm able to stand here and talk in front of millions of people and inspire folks and be the CEO of the largest, one of the largest advocacy organizations in the country that requires me to speak on a daily mm-hmm. basis. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, so the record part for me is easy not easy, but it's manageable to deal with mm-hmm. because I've dealt with a stuttering problem my entire life. So when people ask me, like, how do you do this? How do you, you know, Jay, you talk about these barriers and you, but you still smile. And I'm like, you don't know what I went through, right? yeah. <laughs> you know? 
You just listened to part one of our interview with Jesse and Jay. Our next episode of Proud Stutter will have part two. Um, and then we will also be releasing a bonus episode with both part one and part two in the same episode with some bonus content because the interview was so long and I didn't want to cut out any of it that I'm kind of doing something new. So if you want more, if you want to listen to all the juicy details from that interview, we will be having that option in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time. And that's it for this episode of Proud Stutter. This episode of Proud Stutter was produced and edited by me, Maya Chupkov. Our music was composed by Augusto Denise and our artwork by Mara Ezekiel and Noah Chupkov. If you have an idea or want to be part of a future episode, visit us at www.proudstutter.com. And if you like the show, you can leave us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Want to leave us a voicemail? Check out our show notes for the, the number to call in. More importantly, tell your friends to listen too. Until we meet again, thanks for listening. Be proud and be you. Be you.